Hello and welcome back to the Down to the Wire podcast, episode 7, and we will be updating you with the latest and greatest in sport from the previous week. How are we, Jack? I'm great. Man United won big time, and the Chiefs beat the Saints, so another victory Monday, another good day. (laughs) Our whole week is defined by the sport and results of the weekend. Um, Cool. Right, should we we just dive straight in? Let's do it, Jack. Okay. Um, right, Formula One. Obviously, the season's finished, but now the uh, the gossip starts for the upcoming season, and it's already. Uh, I say, oh, yeah, oh, I say it's gossip. Less gossip. It's more results. It's, it's, it's confirmation. Yeah, Perez has been signed by Red Bull. It's finally it. happened. We've been we've been waiting for this for ages, really, to be honest. Yeah. As in, it was kind of like a dirty little secret, but wasn't. It, really it was when it was. Everyone knew it was. Surely it was when, not if, wasn't it? As in, yes. The yes. only reason that like I was doubting was purely on the basis that it had been so long. I was like, surely they're not just going to drop Albon now, are they? As in, they've held out this mm. long. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, well, I, I guess he could get a bit demotivated, and maybe his performances. I mean. I mean, shudder to believe it could get even worse for him. His performance well, in the season. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I know it's hard to think that it could have, but it could have. Um, <laughs> Is it possible? So maybe he was sensible to do it this late on. Um, well, before we carry on with this topic, um, what are your thoughts on that move in general? Specifically the red, um, the Perez part? Uh, well, just Perez to Red Bull in general. Perhaps we'll stick okay. on what you think of Perez to Red Bull and then perhaps the impact on Albon in a minute. I definitely say that. Well, for Perez, it's good mm-hmm. because I mean I don't think he could possibly get into a better car. No, no, no. Because I, I don't agree. think Mercedes. He's, he's never going to get in the Mercedes. No. Um, and unless one of the other ones turns out to be really good next year, yeah, um, it's still you know the mantra is Red Bull are the second best, and for Red Bull, it's good because they've sort of been meandering round with different guys mm. to partner. Verstappen. Basically, since Ricardo left, they've been a little bit stuck in the woods. But, yeah. Um, uh, to be fair, though, I still don't see why they didn't just go back to Gasly. Hmm, I mean, it's interesting, I, isn't it? I, like, I understand maybe they want Perez because he is a stellar guy. Mm. Well, I wouldn't say he's proven, but he's consistent. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? You at least know he's going to get you some points and will be competitive to some degree very well, much unlike Albon for me this this move is very much make or break because if this goes wrong now um, you're probably going to have a little bit of right what do we do now then because we've tried mm. going through oh we bring it up through the academy you've tried Gasly that didn't work out you've tried Albon that hasn't worked out so you've gone outside of Red Bull which is fair enough but if that doesn't work then you're kind of like oh what do we do now um, but mm. I, th- I mean Obviously, for Perez, it's a cracking move. Isn't consider well, he was out without a drive. It's as simple as that. Um, so just any seat, in, I say any seat. Obviously, you'd want a good one. But as in a seat in Formula One is not to be sniffed at anyway. But to get one a Red Bull is uh, yeah. is pretty impressive. I mean, to be fair to Perez, I've always thought he's kind of like a, a meh driver, as in just kind of you know not not horrendous, not. Um, but to be fair, he might not actually be that great. He might just be Oof. the case that that racing point car actually was the second best car but, last year, and they were just underperforming for so long. But then, like, look how easily he outperformed Lance Stroll, as in. Oh yeah, but to be fair, Lance Stroll is. <laughs> yeah, he's with Latifi for who's the worst driver? Oh, um, <laughs> that'd be a touch. That's savage. But but to be fair, he's. 
no one looks at Lance Stroll and thinks he's ever going to get into any other seat in any other no. team. Obviously, because firstly, he's, it's his dad's team, yeah. so he's never going to lose his seat. But secondly, because nobody else wants him, I don't think, in their mm. team, unless they're going to get loads of money for mm. him. Um, yeah. But, so, so, on the Perez side of it, though, going back to him, in a mm. sense, it's it very much is make or break for him. Because if he doesn't do yeah. well, he's basically just going to be the next Kimi Raikkonen in terms of... He'll be in the sport for another five, six years. But not under. But he'll be sitting yeah. in teams like Alfa Romeo. I mean, where it doesn't matter. What I think is this is uh, obviously going off from Perez slightly a second. I mean, just for for Formula One in general, having Perez there makes it a lot more interesting, purely on the basis of those couple of races where you know Verstappen was say second or third and there or thereabouts but just didn't quite have the pace of the Mercedes which you wouldn't expect from Red Bull given mm-hmm. previous form you know or, or what Mercedes would do is just go up we'll just cover him off with Bottas because Albon's yeah. nowhere so the Albon is not is not a chess piece yeah. whereas all of a sudden if you have Perez in there if you've got say you've got Mercedes Red Bull Mercedes Red Bull all of a sudden that makes things interesting and it, it just makes it a bit more competitive so I think it's some um, I mean, I, it allows Red Bull to actually do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, at the moment, they are very much just... Well, I don't know if I'd even say reactionary. They've either got to take the fight to Mercedes mm. and do a really bizarre strategy to catch them out. Yeah. Or they've just got to hope that Mercedes makes a but mistake. But even, even when they do do that, though, because they've only got one person there, they can they yeah. can pull off an absolute stonking... Sorry, an absolutely stonking uh, strategy. But then all it takes is for Mercedes to go, right, we'll just pit Bottas now, then to cover him off. And that's it. Yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing. Exactly. Whereas all of a sudden, if you have another driver they up there, think, yeah, even if they think uh, Hamilton's on the best strategy, and they think Verstappen's made, you know, that decision to pit him early is rubbish. Mm. They can just pit Bottas exactly as collateral and go. Doesn't so, Yeah. We, doesn't is it like yeah. it just to be, like just to be doubly sure? We'll just cover him off with Bottas. Whereas all of a sudden, mm. if you pit Bottas and he drops down to fourth. You know that that's crucial point in the constructors, and obviously for Bottas as well, he's not going to be happy with that. So it's mm-hmm. uh, it's another another variable, I think. So I think it makes it interesting, and based on his performances this year as well, having Perez in that car is is um, is really interesting. But also it's interesting, I think, because you know the the argument for keeping Albon was that oh well, Red Bull make the car for Verstappen, and Albon just has to make do. Mm-hmm. Well, now I think we'll see. You know, I think it's going to be a bit of an acid test now because I think you could, if Perez were to go to Red Bull and to struggle, maybe not to the same extent as Albon because I think Perez is a better driver. But if he were to struggle, clearly struggle, I think you could turn around to Red Bull and go, right, well, you're not providing both of your drivers with a good car. You're providing a car made for Max Verstappen. But and the, the, do you not think the others are just make, to make, make do? To what extent, though, can you make a car for one driver? Well, that's the argument, You can design the geometry of the cockpit so it's a certain length, and obviously Max Verstappen's on the taller end of the Mm. Formula One drivers. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about that engine. Because if it wasn't about that engine, Ferrari and all those other teams would be right up I mean, I guess there's an element to which, you know, certain drivers have different driving styles, don't they? So some drivers are more aggressive. Some, you know, so some would prefer the car to be perhaps a little bit more twitchy, you know, but they, as a result of it being more twitchy, it's a little bit more, you know, you can have a little bit more input. Some prefer it to understeam, also they have to do a bit more work through the corners. So I think, mm-hmm. I get what you mean, though, and I don't think, 
you can solely make a car... Let me put it this way. I think there's an element to which Red Bull make the car to suit Max Verstappen, but at the same time, I kind of look at it and go, well, at the end of the day, Alex Albon's in Formula 1. He's got to be able to adapt at least a little bit. <laughs> to yeah, yeah. So basically, I guess what I'm saying is, if you look at... if you, if this season, I'm not saying this will happen. Um, I don't think it will happen personally. I think Perez will do really well in the, in the coming season. But I think if um, Perez were to go to Red Bull and struggle massively against Max Verstappen, then you could be like, right, well, you've had Gasly in the second car and he struggled, gone to AlphaTauri and he succeeded. You know, as in he's got a podium with AlphaTauri. Um, he's got a win. Yeah, exactly. He's got a win with AlphaTauri. Uh, then you've got Alex Albon, who, okay you know, has struggled, but then you'd have Perez, who's also just had a cracking season, and he would have struggled as well. You know, there's a bit of a correlation build in there. So I think it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. If I'm honest, from the from the Red Bull side of things, mm-hmm. I don't think this is going to... It's going to work out in the sense that Perez... Well, he could be good, and he's most likely going to be good enough in that car. Mm. But I, I think the way they are set up, this doesn't do them any favours in the long run, because... Firstly, you're ditching Albon altogether for a whole year, mm-hmm. which is going to knock his confidence. Mm. But then secondly, you've now got a dilemma of, firstly, is Perez better than Gasly? Like, that's well, the yeah, that yeah, that's an interesting on question. radar very much. But then secondly, if he if he is on par mm-hmm. with Gasly, what do you do with Gasly? Because Gasly's clearly too good to be driving in that Alpha Tauri for another two seasons it's a good question he's going to move on it's like well it's a good question. what happens long term when okay even if Perez does well he's not going to be there for ages because he's not a young mm. driver and Gasly's at some point going to move on if he's not in that first seat so then you just end up with Albon back well, in well it's, it's interesting isn't it isn't they, they've made a bit of a, uh, a hole for themselves Red Bull in that sense because like I said they've kind of exhausted their options from their glorified tr- uh, driver programme which they always bang on about mm. Um, they haven't worked out. They've been them. They've gone external. Like you said, if this doesn't work out now, it's like, well, what do you do then? Um, well, I've, if anything, if it doesn't work out, it means the line of succession to who gets into the seats is clearer. But if it does work out, you've got a whole host of young drivers sat in that academy doing nothing. Mm. And you've got unsatisfied Albon and Gasly, mm. who probably both think, I, I deserve to be in that seat. Sat mm. in the wings. It, well, I, it really doesn't make sense to me. Well, I mean, this is a very long-term uh, punt, but just saying, Fernando Alonso isn't getting any younger, so you'd have to assume that he's not going to be Alpine for obviously formerly Renault now Alpine. Um, mm. He's not going to be there for donkeys. So you know, Pierre Gasly, Frenchman in a French car. Just saying. Oh yeah. And that's the thing, that makes way more sense. I'm sure Gasly probably, with the way Red Bull, you know, primary team has treated him, mm. probably thinks, yeah, well, I don't and really want to drive for I'm them. Sure... I think I'd rather drive for a team making a car for Yeah, I, I'm sure I read somewhere as well, he fell out with somebody, like in the Red Bull. Ocon? Oh, no. He, no, he no fell out, I'm sure... I know him and Ocon don't get I'm on. sure he fell out with, um, is it Helmut Marco? The... Wouldn't surprise. I'm pretty me. sure he's the he's the the um, he's the big guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure he fell out with him at some point. So yeah, I'll be honest with you. I don't think Gasly will race for Red Bull again. I think it'll Gasly will go elsewhere, and mm. we'll do all right for it. 
But yeah. Uh, what do you think? How long do you think Fernando Alonso is actually going to be at Renault for? Or not Renault now? What are they? Alpine. Alpacin? Uh, Alpine. Alpine. <laughs> Alpacin sounds like a medication. <laughs> no, I remember what it is. It's a German uh, shampoo. It's like engineering one. No, so it's, it's, it's one of those ones on the Arabic. Yeah. Goes, so he's buy uh, it before it's gone. So he's yeah, he's at Alpine because Alpine is the uh, sporting division of um, Renault's road cars. Um, so they're kind of going yeah. for this whole kind of you know. Alpine is the sports division and the Formula One team, well, blah, blah, blah. Did uh, I read this week that Renault ditched or got rid of one of the directors who's in, or not directors, but someone who's pretty heavily no, involved I don't know. in a... I missed that. Well, well, I should have put it in the notes because it's only just coming to well, me. Well, why didn't, why didn't you have a quick look for that while I'm talking about, you said how long I think Fernando Alonso's got left. Yeah, go for that. So you have a look for that. Um, in all honesty, I don't really know because... When Fernando Alonso came... Look, don't get me wrong. Fernando Alonso is an excellent driver. Um, and, you know, like, when Michael Schumacher left and came back, he didn't do any racing in the middle. Whereas Fernando Alonso, he's done IndyCar. He's clearly been doing a bit of practice with Renault anyway, or Alpine. For the sake of this, yeah. Renault and Alpine, we're going to use inter- interchangeably, because I, 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 I keep forgetting. <laughs> it's too confusing. I mean, I'm going to be using them as Alpacin, I think. Alpacin. Um... <laughs> <laughs> So Yeah, I found the article. Jerome cool. Stroll, Renault Sport President, to leave role at end of 2020. Oh, that's interesting. So does, do you think that's going to... I mean, that's an influential guy in the I Formula mean, I, 1 I guess so, but of that company. I guess so. I, I guess... I don't know. Uh, the Renault have always been a bit of a weird one, because for manufacturers, the surely the main point of being in Formula 1, apart from Ferrari... You know, because they're the the racers, uh, the racing manufacturer, if you will. You know, but the mm-hmm. the other one, the whole point, or one of the main points of being Formula One is the um, promotion. Oh, it's it's, it's the promo- yeah. it's the promotion of your car for uh, to trying to appeal to people in the public, right? And this, yeah. you can basically go, ah, oh, here's our fantastic technology. You can have a little drop of that in your road car. To be fair, I can understand that with. Companies like Mercedes because they these big, powerful engines for business. Well, money. and and I it's successful as well. Renault, That's the thing. Yeah, when you see Renault do well, I'm not thinking let's go out and buy a Clio. Do you know because what? No part of the I Clio would love to go out and get an electric Renault Zoe. <laughs> yeah. No, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't really line up. Does no, it? it's a weird company. It's a bit of a weird one, but um, but yeah. Sorry, going back to Fernando Alonso, I don't think he'll be there for too long. I think he maybe like. I, I think it genuinely depends on how Alpine do next year. I think if they have a... a, a do you not think it depends just on what Alonso wants? Because they seem to love him. I, I really don't know. I it's, I honestly I think... three years. I think he wants three yeah. years, and I think then he'll be, I'm done. But at the same time, I don't think Gasly will want to sit at Alpha Tauri for three years. No. Or there's a whole can of worms being opened at the moment. <laughs> we could go on forever. Um, yes, anyway, so we'll, we'll just briefly... Uh, jump back to the whole kind of Red Bull saga because we've discussed the Paris side, we've discussed the Red Bull side, but we haven't discussed uh, the unfortunate man in all this. And that's uh, well, I say unfortunate. The he's had a chance. Say, say again, sorry. Yeah. He's, he's had a. He's had he a has had a chance. Equally, I do think we'll see how justified it is. If Perez jumps into that Red Bull car and does really well, I think you could turn around and say it's the right decision. If Perez struggles. It's like I said, I think you could turn around and say, right, okay, Red Bull, have, this, this is the second time now that Red Bull have canned one of their, their younger drivers 
and Fairley. However, having said that, Albon, like you've said, has you know he's had a season and a half. He struggled at the start. It looked like he was picking up towards the end of last season, and then this season he's just very much plateaued, doesn't he? Um, yes. We, this is this is well documented. I feel like we've discussed the the, the plateauing <laughs> of Albon before, but anyway. Do Do you think if Perez does well, mm-hmm. that Albon will drive in Formula One again? Um, that's a tough question. I really don't I know. Don't I don't think he will. As, as, brut- as brutal well. as that is, I don't think he will. Yeah. Well, there isn't a place for him. No, like, no, I don't think there is. In a sense, if you can't... I mean, the same goes for um, Esteban Ocon. If you are given a chance in a good car mm. and you can't perform, regardless of who your teammate is, if somebody else went in and does your job better than yeah, you... Yeah, you don't deserve your seat. Clearly you're... Yeah, because F1 teams, if you're at the top, you're only picking guys who are going to win. You're not really there for developing guys. If you're down the bottom, you're either picking ex... Well, not ex-pros, but guys who've got lots experience, of experience yeah. and that sort of just bring a lot of branding alongside of it for your brand. Mm. Or you're bringing up the new guy to get that little bit of flavour into this, your team. This like, is, yeah, we do do Yeah, this stuff. is the thing as well, is in that album has got quite a lot of baggage now, isn't he? Is in, and, and like the perfect example for me is, if you look at the... Na- the Position you would have thought that Albon probably would have gone to if he would have gone anywhere would have been back to Alpha Tauri, right? Mm-hmm. As in the, yeah. the junior Red Bull team. They've got Pierre Gasly there. And then your options are between Alex Albon and Yuki Tsunoda. You've got Alex. 100%, I think people are taking Yuki That's Tsunoda. That's what I mean. As in, right now, I don't see why you'd pick Albon over Tsunoda. Like, I mean, you could say, okay, he's had a bit more experience, but is that experience a good thing based on how it's, <laughs> how it's gone, really? Because um, yeah, on the flip, you could almost... Well, this is where it goes back to the press. Why would they pick him in? Because, in a sense, you had such a nice line of succession. Yeah. If something doesn't work out, they just swap Gasly and Albon over again. Yeah. And give, give Gasly a proper I mean, I, I do, th- I do think part of it is, is that Red Bull don't want to get egg on their face. By getting Gasly back, I really do think that yeah. is part. Of, I think their pride would be uh, a little bit hurt but from that. But there's got to be an element of stubbornness. Well, uh, well, you can't be too stubborn. Yeah. That's kind of what I mean. Yes, like you can't just refuse to give the man a seat in when he's clearly deserved one, just because you don't want to prove yourself wrong. Yeah, because you see it in other sports. Man United got rid of Paul Pogba for free, and. I think one day someone said, hey guys, we were massively wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's go spend, what was it, 90 mil on mm. him to get him back. And it's like, mm. so just don't, they're going too far down one mm. road where they almost need to turn and mm. say, cut your losses, take a little bit of the brunt and say, we made a mistake and give him another chance. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, feel, I feel like we bash Albon quite a lot on, on well, I say we, I do, um, I, well, I'm more than happy to say that I do because I don't think he's very but, good. Um, I, I, don't, however, I don't see the point in praising someone however, for the sake of praising I will him. say this though. I do think he'll be unfortunate to be left without any seat at all. When you consider yeah. that Lance Stroll has got a seat. Oh yeah, 100%. There's people that have but seats. I know, I know, I know there are the dynamics you know, between the finances and the deals and it's all that sort of thing. It's the same for uh, Latifi. Yeah, yeah as, but as in I don't know. It's one of those unfortunate ones, Albon. As in well, I found the stat, and it said that Verstappen, who out-qualified Albon in every race, mm. was, on average, 0.523 seconds a lap slower. So, 
Albon was 0.5 yeah. seconds a lap slower than Verstappen. Wow. Yeah, that's on average. That's a lot, isn't it? That's more than half a second qualifying behind Verstappen every single race. Now Verstappen's very good, but is he half a? Should he be half a second? This is the thing. Better than this his opponent. is the thing. You know, as in like you you look at like Hamilton and the Hamilton and Bottas. As in I. I I th- he's not half. I think I'm right in saying that Hamilton has outqualified Bottas the majority of the time this season, right? I think I'd be right in mm-hmm. saying that. But as in every yeah. time Bottas is right there, is in some of the yeah. races this year it went down to like thousandths of a second, which is well, crazy. Yeah, it's always under a tenth. Yeah, uh, so no races, no races. Sorry, qualifying went to thousands of a second, but yeah. like half a second in Formula One—that's a lifetime. That's mm. a crazy amount of time. Considering you're in the same car. I mean, for, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the difference is between Russell and Latifi, but I mean, I bet it's around that. But I mean, this is the thing, and I guess basically, I guess what I'm saying is, is that depending on how this goes with Perez, either it's going to be very damning on Albon, or it's going to be very damning on Red Bull. There's not going to be anything in between because if Red Bull, if Perez gets close, then you consider and say, well, clearly Albon wasn't good enough because he's half a second slower to Verstappen in the same car as Perez, and Perez is much closer, if Perez is equally as far off as Verstappen, then you've got to point to Red Bull and go, well, hang on, clearly you're not catering for your second driver enough for him to get close to... Mm-hmm. But then, I don't know, I guess it's a vicious circle, because perhaps if Albon did something that made Red Bull want to provide a car for him, it wouldn't be quite so one-sided. But Albon, you know... Like I, the ones that have stuck out to me this season are where like Verstappen has had a retirement to DNF, and what Red Bull could really do with then is Albon having like a solid finish, and he's like in he's thing. like intense. You just find the Mercedes have disappeared by that point, and then it's like well, nothing's happening. Yeah, and uh, you know, anything. like it helps Mercedes out more because it means they haven't got to push their car. You, you know, you don't. You, and the only exactly. difficulty Mercedes have is with um the reliability issues. And you know, you're not saying you want Albon to then go on and win the race because of Verstappen isn't going to, but like at least get like in the top five. Keep them honest. Yeah. Whereas, at least push them to say we can't just chill out. Whereas like it, like there have been so many times where like you look down and you're like, hang on, Albon's on the hard tire. Why is he on the hard tire? Oh yeah, he pitted on the second lap because he, he cooked his mediums, plowing yeah. into the first corner, locking up, and then he's had to go and change his strategy. Oh dear me. So yeah. I feel sorry for Alex Albon, but I, I can't... I don't think I would say I'm surprised, in all honesty. No. And if, if anything, I'm actually kind of hoping Red Bull are the ones that come out looking better. I do a little. Only because well, hmm. I feel like they're, they're one of those sort of 50-50 teams where I'm sure Helmut Marko doesn't mind pulling them out of the sport. There's a, as much as they're successful, I'm sure he's like, it's expensive, and is it worth the brand? I mean, I'm, I'm not a massive fan of Christian Horner, so I wouldn't mind Red Bull having a bit of egg on their face. But at the same time, I feel like Albon has been consistently average to the point where I'm I'm not expecting it to go that way. I'm expecting Paris to do really well in the Red Bull, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. But there we are. We'll end the Red Bull chat there. Um, yeah. Our crucifixion of Alex if Albon. You're an Alex has Al- just ended if you're there. an Al- if you're an Alex <laughs> Albon fan, you can start listening again now because we've moved on. We've moved on. Um, one last thing in Formula One before we we go elsewhere. Um, signs been pictured in his uh, Ferrari red this week. Yeah, what's the dealio though? Because isn't the idea that these preseason like this isn't testing? No, this is just to get young drivers comfortable in the car. Isn't there a little bit of a uh, hijinks as to who's allowed to do this? Because I mean, 
Carlos Sainz isn't exactly a new driver. Well, he's, to, he's not been. To the grid, he's not been he? in the car. I don't think he's just been in the factory and stuff, getting like his seat fitted and and all, True, and all that but sort Perez of stuff. Perez wasn't allowed a go in the Red Bull. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think Sainz and, has been on track though. Oh no, no, that was it. Sainz hasn't been on track, but Fernando Alonso is allowed on. Track. Oh yes, yeah, it's some sort of weird regulation. I and think basically it seems that like everyone's allowed to vote on it. Yeah, and they sort of decide who. Yeah, is yeah, who yeah. Isn't. It's like it seems a little bit broken. Yeah, it is a little bit silly. I've never quite understood that. Um, but yeah, but yeah. What do you reckon Sainz will do this year in the Ferrari? Well, terribly because he's in the Ferrari, but um, <laughs> but I don't think that'll be his fault. But um, do you think he'll be able to compete with Leclerc? Um, I think so. I, this I would be re- a good year for Leclerc to stamp his authority and say, I'm a very good driver. Equally. to be fair, as good as he's been battering Vettel this year, Vettel may have been out of form because pretty much he was a one-man army for most of the year. But this is what I mean, though, right? Is in, like, I can't help but feel that there have probably been a few times where there's been a bit of uh, orders to Sebastian Vettel, and because of the position he's in, he's just been like, yeah, fine, whatever. I can't see Carlos Sainz doing that next season. I really can't. Like, I feel like Sainz is going to be one of those people where he's like, if Leclerc's faster than me, he can overtake me. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's, he's a bit yeah, of a... Yeah. I like Sainz. I think he's a really spicy character. Isn't he? he just... You know, he's he's quick. Although, do you not think him and Norris got on so well? that Even though they were competing with each other, they did, on occasion, say... he's. He's on. He's on a strategy where he's going to overtake you. Don't get pulled back into a battle. Mm. Let him overtake. Like there's no point purging the team for the sake of just um, trying to prove a point. Yeah. Oh no, no. I don't think he'll do it to. You know. I guess what I'm saying is, Ferrari are renowned for doing things because they want a certain driver to win, rather than doing mm-hmm. it for the team's benefit. And I think whereas oh, okay. perhaps this season Sebastian Vettel would do that willingly. Firstly, because I think Sebastian Vettel is a different character to Sainz. But secondly, I think Vettel just kind of got to the point in the season where he's like, I just don't care. <laughs> Cause, cause, <laughs> because you don't care about me. Um, I don't think Sainz would do that. I think Sainz at um, Ferrari is a really interesting one. Because I'd like to see how that... Because um, he strikes me as a very intense character, Carlos Sainz. Not in a bad way, but a very kind of... I don't know, just very, very focused. Um, yeah, I can see that. Passionate. Yes. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see signs in the Ferrari. Some some interesting moves going into next season. I'm pretty sure we've discussed this already, but it's definitely going to mix things up. And particularly because yeah. the regs aren't changing next season now, I think it's a it's a welcome. Well, to be honest, I do. I worry about that. Well, the regulation change. Might, no, I worry about there being no regulation change. I feel like it could end up just being more of the same. Um, I mean, look, unless unless. Red Bull do particularly well with a Renault engine, which I don't think they will. I mean, um, I'm going to be honest. I think it's it's basically nailed on, and it's going to be Merck again. I can't see yeah. any different. But Same. but 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 if they can at least take a challenge to Merck, so that you so that Lewis Hamilton can't pit with five laps to go to get the soft <laughs> tires to get the fastest lap, I'll take that as a win. Given that the regulations are changing the year after. I'll just like accept it for a season, and then the year after, that's when we want it to all get intense and properly racy yeah. again, you know? Well, and, and to be fair, as much as Mercedes dominated, they only really did European circuits, and the Red Bull thrives at the non-European circuits, because they're a little bit more technically challenging. Or they're more um, designed... Well, the Red Bull car's designed for those circuits more than the European ones, per se. 
Um, so yeah, I, I think it could be interesting if mm. they uh, if they bring back some of those circuits, which they didn't seem to have this year, mm. which is why uh, Mercedes dominated so much. Yeah. There we are. Right, so that's the end of the Formula One chat. Um, yes. And unless something radical happens in the coming week, that could be the last bit of Formula One chat we do this year because we got one more uh, next disappointing. week. Disappointing. I know, <laughs> disappointing. But it's not long. It's not long till the next season, so it's all fine. Um, it's not. Right, highlights of the week. Do you want to go first? I'll do mine first. Yeah, because yeah, mine will segue quite nicely, I think. Yeah. My, my highlight of the week was the Kansas City Chiefs, my team winning their last remaining meaningful game this season when they beat the New Orleans Saints yesterday. Yes, they did. And it, it was what a game. A very, well, I don't know if I'd call it a tight game, but it very much felt like two heavyweight teams. It swung not, back and forth, didn't it? Yeah, it was just a load of big hits on each other saying, no, we're better. Anyway, don't, no, don't go too better. far into it because we'll discuss that later. True that, true that. But I agree Let with you, off. but we'll discuss it. We'll, we'll go in depth with it later. But yeah, I watched that game. It was, uh, it was epic. Um, I enjoyed it. My highlight of the week, and uh, sorry, I'm just reading this. So, given that we're a sport, you know, this isn't like a a, a team podcast. You've picked your favorite NFL team for your highlight. Yes, this is my highlight, and, and of the I've week. picked my favorite football team for my highlight. Liverpool winning seven one. Um, well, 7-0. I've got what did I say? Seven one. I'm 7-0. so so used to Liverpool conceding seven nil. Um, <laughs> um, I'm going to put a caveat on this though because. Obviously, as a Liverpool fan, I don't think it was ever going to be anything else really for me. But I don't know whether you've seen. Have you seen Kimpembe's challenge from the football I last haven't. night? I've already just seen it. In the Honestly, so absolutely incredible. He was three on one. He was the one defender left. Um, it was a counter attack from a corner, and mm-hmm. literally he just flings himself at the ball. It's an incredible challenge. Um, so I would say, as a Liverpool fan, it's the seven nil victory. As a neutral, it's probably Kimpembe's challenge. Okay. Do you want to? S- I'll have to watch that after. You, you're going to watch that after. Okay. Right. Yeah, can't find the clip. Moving on then with Liverpool seven nil victory. Um, did you watch the game? I watched the highlights. Okay. Um, <laughs> I bet they were quite long considering they were seven goals. Um, well, they only showed the goals. So <laughs> there, wasn't there wasn't any time for anything else. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Liverpool were. Amazing on the weekend. I, look, don't get me wrong; it's against Crystal Palace, who you know they're not terrible. Is in there? I think no, they're twelve. Crystal Palace are a decent. They're, team. So, they're a solid side. I mean, what I mean is, it's not like it's not like beating like City seven nil. But as in, don't get me wrong, seven nil. Good result for Liverpool. Um, well, it's a good result for anyone. Seven nil. Yes. Yeah. No, you are it's right. Seven goals with no reply. And <laughs> the thing is, as well, it wasn't like. You know, there are some 7-0 games, or like high-scoring games then, I'll say, where like, you know, you'll get a penalty and then like a goal will just score a good goal and then one will go in off a defender and then one will get deflected. Like yeah. all seven... Liverpool just ruined Yeah, they, they were so clinical. I think the, the only goal which you could probably argue wasn't amazing was Salah's first one, the header from the corner. Because it, you know... Well, I also thought, I mean, as good as Roberto Firmino's touch was... Poor defending on the part of just letting Firmino run up the I agree. first touch, but a lovely touch. Oh, lovely what a finish. touch. And it was Except a lovely ball. And I'm assuming you're talking about the first one, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, that ball from Robertson was that just glorious. Robertson. 
Um, That's the thing. Some people just lump it in. Right, and he picked him out on the edge. And went I'm, I'm just going to say this now. If you're not a Liverpool fan, just indulge me. I won't be too much longer. But this was an epic result for Liverpool. Um, <laughs> yeah, and every Henderson's goal, glorious. Trent could have quite easily taken it on himself, but he's like, no, I'll just just lay this off to my captain on the edge. And Henderson just first time slot it in the in the side net in. Um, Salah, Toppins. <laughs> Like absolute oh. what what finish like it, it, it just was looked, so unnecessary. It was so nonchalant it was so as well. Graceful. I tell you what, yeah, it's just, I just and Sadio Mane's goal as well. First time touch and then bang right into the bottom corner. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, some lovely goals in there. The thing was as well, it must have been so demoralising for Palace because I'm pretty sure they were like four 0 down, and then uh, Jurgen Klopp's like, right, do some substitutes. Mo, on you go. <laughs> what do you, do you think Klopp's? He's not playing the long game. Do you not think? Because he did the same in the Champions League. Where well, resting players? Much, yeah, oh, absolutely. Full, he's bringing players on which don't need to come on. And he's not resting players when he can rest. But that Champions League game meant nothing to neither team. And it was like, yeah, first team lads, give it a go. It's, like, it's such... A, I mean, he can't complain about 12.30am kickoffs <laughs> if he's then playing players completely needlessly. Well, you say that though, but as in... I get what you mean about bringing Salah on, but then he did bring Manny off. So it is a no, kind of. I understand that, but when you're four 0 up, <laughs> I don't think there's any fear <laughs> that, that, oh, that but, Crystal Palace are going to come But that's what back I mean. I, I don't think that was a tactical substitution. I think he went right. Manny's played for an hour. Off he comes. Let Mo go on for yeah. half an hour. Well, I was just surprised it was Mo. I was just, like, why not bring on a Riggy? I don't know if a Riggy came on. Because um, you know what I mean. What Surely happens? What happens if Manny gets injured? Do you want to be bringing on Jordan Shakiri or Mo Salah? Oh, 100% you bring on Salah, but in the situation, when you're already 4-0 up, why do you need to bring on Salah when you can bring on Jude and Shakiri? It, it, it just yeah, seems but... like he's risking players' health for no reason. Well, no, because he's you can't pick your bench based on how well you think. You've got to pick your bench, assuming that... Oh, I understand that. that. If, like... But he's, he'll have a lot of players. You've got seven players on the bench, hasn't he? You could, you've got yeah, but, yeah but one of those has got to be a good backup goalkeeper for a start. And then you've yeah. got to have a certain number of defenders, midfielders, and attackers, right? No, you can pick any seven. Well, yeah, but isn't you, 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 you'd want to balance it out, isn't you? Don't want to have like okay. six attackers. So well, he, well, you probably pick one centre back, one wing back. Then you probably pick two centre mids. Mm-hmm. That's that five. You've already got the keeper for six. Mm-hmm. Then you bring, well, I guess, bring one attacker. But to say that one of those mids could have been Julian Shakiri. All I'm saying is. He didn't need to bring on... I mean, if anything, he could have brought off Mane and put on a defender, for all I care. He just didn't see the need to... You know what I mean? You just don't see big teams when you've got I mean, so many games already bringing on world-class players when you're already... I, I get I get what you're saying, but I think there's probably a few other dynamics there, as in Mo Salah's probably sat on the sidelines like itching to get on for a start, as in he's looking at this yeah. going, I could get I could get three or four goals in this game for gold, towards golden boots. disciplined, though. Got to understand that there's going to be other games coming up where you. I know. Oh yeah, but we're going to need you. But, down there. but come on, Christmas as well. Come on, Jack. As as a, as an attacking player, if there's a game where you think I could get two or three goals, you want to be on there. It's as simple as that. And you don't. You're not thinking about. Oh well, it's all right. I'll just make sure that I'm available for the next game. You're thinking I want to get on there. I want to get some assists. I want to get some goals. As in, that's why they they are where they're playing. I get what you're saying. I, I, I get what you're saying, is and you could argue surely there was there could have been somebody else that he brought on rather than Mo Salah. Just like did he really need to bring Mo Salah on for half an hour in a game mm. that was clearly done? I, I, I get what you're saying. 
and that does make sense. But I think there's probably, I guess it depends how you look at it. I think if he had brought on, like at the end of the day, he started um, Minamino. Minamino started. You know, that's he hasn't started in ages. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I think he's probably going to rotate over the coming weeks now. So I think we'll probably see some. Uh, some different players coming in. And I guess, because you said about Origi, didn't you? Yeah, so why not bring him on? Yeah. I mean, I guess, I think he's probably fallen down the pack in order, to be honest, because I think... um, I don't think he ever got to the top, did he? (laughs) Well, he was behind... He was was behind... (laughs) I get what you mean, though. Now that they've signed Jota... Yeah, yeah. uh, Um, Who else did they buy? Oh, well, they've got Minamino, haven't they? They've got Minamino, Minamino, yeah. yeah. But But um, that very much pushes him. But yeah, I guess, just briefly going on from that, as in, uh, you know, Liverpool are kind of... They've hit a good bit of form at, a, at a, an important time, really, going into the Christmas period. I guess it's slightly different because, obviously, the season's a bit further. We're not as far along, are we, as we normally are because we started the season late. Would I be right in saying that? No, I think we're the same. Uh, is it... well, they had a shorter break, I think. Oh, yeah, so, they, so they've just bunched up. Okay, I guess not then. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Liverpool's next three games are West Brom, Newcastle and Southampton. Um, yeah. Southampton, well, West Brom is a banana skin in the fact that they've just sacked their coach, which we'll discuss um, in a little bit. Over down the line. Yeah. Um, Newcastle. You. You. I mean, on the face of it, you'd expect Liverpool to get nine points out of nine points there. And to be fair, Newcastle, their next four games. I think one of them. I can't remember who the first one is, but then the, the three they've got after that are like they're all against top six teams. Yeah. So that I think they're going into that thinking we're in a period of just defend. Yeah. Yeah. No one's thinking about scoring a goal. Um. Yeah, I agree. I mean, so yeah, I guess what I'm saying is Liverpool have, have got a nice little bit of form because they've been they looked a little bit rocky, I think, for a little bit. They got, they, they they kind of got yeah. a few results. You know, they got that draw with Brighton, and you were kind of like, oh, I don't know. Um, and they're not going to make top four at one stage. <laughs> we, were thinking. we were both thinking. No, no, I I was. You were Liverpool aren't going to make you top were. four. You were. I I was not thinking that. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, from my team to your team, Man United. Um, oh, also had a crack in win on the week. Uh, well, oh, uh, hang on now, hang on. Ollie's at the wheel. We're we're, we're going to be second when we win our games in hand, and it oh, it's yeah. all Gucci. As I they keep say. forgetting that you've got a game in hand. Um, yeah, it's glorious. It's um, the same for City. City can go all the way up to third mm. above Chelsea and Tottenham, and the same for Villa. Villa can go up to third, assuming Manu win their game in hand. And somehow both City and Villa win their game mm. in hand when I think they're playing each other. <laughs> Assuming everybody wins their games in hand, mm. uh, everyone's well, getting into the I top, mean, t- top three. It, it just shows how volatile the Premier League table is, doesn't it? Is it and this is not taken yeah. away from United's performance on the weekend, as in United were clearly very good. McTominay had a, a good game. Um, well, I say a good game, a very good game. Um, yeah. But like. They, they, they are they unpieced leads very nice. Yeah, I, th- I think they just seem to have the lock and key. Bringing Dan James was genius because they were saying in the commentary they were like well, he was a surprise admission. Why would you pick Dan James? Yeah, it's yeah. Not, no, no one's you know someone said they thought he was on furlough. Um, he was <laughs> so unused. Um, but yeah, he, just because there was so much space, yeah, both teams just seemed to go at it. Yeah, they, they were just like, well, have someone who's really. Quick I mean, I I you. didn't well, I didn't watch the game. I saw highlights, but as in I saw oh, I somebody it. said well. You know, as a United fan, I, I kind of expected that, I'll be honest. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, there was a... Oh, I've lost my trailer thought. Oh yeah, somebody said that... They, they said that they think United basically just tactically just manoeuvred Leeds exactly where they wanted them, basically. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> but yeah, isn't it like the table is just mental because you know, like we we won our game against um, against Palace, yeah, um, and then. Leicester beat Spurs. I was like, oh, that's a good result because that means Spurs will be further behind us. Well, yeah. But little did I realise yeah. that Leicester have now caught up to us anyway. So now Leicester are second. I don't know how Leicester have managed no, Nor do I. Where does that come from? It's bizarre, isn't it? And like, all you know, like I'm pretty sure it was last week we were talking about Spurs as title contenders. They're in fifth. Yeah. And like Chelsea are in eighth. It's, it's so tight. Uh, but then, but this is the thing, it's so tight as in... Let me get the table up, actually. But yeah, you know, as in, I think it's one of those ones where you know th- there's a lot of um, like places are not, uh, uh, you know, um, there's not a lot, a lot of points separating a lot of teams. So yeah, between yeah, fifth yeah. and ninth is three points. It's crazy. In fact, you could actually say between third and ninth is four points. Although, fair, although though, you're you've got a game in hand, so it is. Yeah, it is slightly lots of games in hand. But also, Leicester, they played City to start the season, and they beat them 5-2. Mm-hmm. And they, they've played Liverpool, and they've lost. Mm-hmm. And they've, they, I mean, if you're still calling Arsenal a big team, they've, they beat Arsenal as well. <clears throat> but they haven't played anyone else. Mm. And there's a lot of teams who've played a lot of the big teams already. Mm. I mean, I think Man United have played... They haven't played Liverpool. No. And they haven't played Leicester. No. But they've played Everton, Chelsea, Tottenham. I'm pretty sure they've played Southampton. They've played City now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? A lot of the other teams have played the big teams mm. already. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Leicester come up against a few of their sides and maybe they'll drop... They might come to the bottom of that pecking order of nine or ten teams. Well, and I mean, last year Leicester were kind of in... Maybe not second, but as in they were, they were in and around there around this time of year, weren't they? Oh, yeah. They, they were third for ages. Like they, they, they were the only challenger, realistically, to Liverpool at the beginning of the season. Yeah, yeah. And British Brendan said, we're not going to get carried away. And I thought, absolutely nobody thinks Leicester are going to get carried away because nobody thinks Leicester no. are going to be there for very long. I mean, I think... <laughs> and they very much wouldn't. <laughs> and then they ended up bottling it and not even getting top four. Yeah, I mean, no disrespect to Leicester, but I think they'll drop off. Um, yeah. They just don't seem to do. Certainly. They don't seem to do well enough against the. You know, as in like Liverpool beat them. And in the second half of the season, they always seem to get found out. Yeah, yeah. I think the the lack of squad depth kind of catches up with them. I think a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think I do think Leicester will be um, will be caught out. Do you want to say a little bit more about United? Because I feel like I spoke a, a long time about Liverpool. Um, well. United are back to the best. They, oh, if they right, so that's that's why I cut you off, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> you, you just got into complete delusion, but there we are. No, um, to be fair, United, they've lost three games. Yeah. And whilst everyone goes, oh, three games out of 13 they've lost, that's actually, well, Liverpool have only lost one, mm-hmm. City have lost two, and then it's United, Chelsea, Spurs, they're all on three. Mm. So very much in and amongst it. Liverpool drew four games and I have drawn two. Yeah. Which is why, if we win our game in hand, we're only two points behind. Yeah, yeah. And to be honest, because we've played a lot of the good teams, and, I mean, obviously it's still in our own hands, it's still in everybody's own hands at the moment, mm. but if we beat Liverpool whenever we play them, mm. we go top. And obviously that's a big ask. There's a lot of ifs there. Who would have thought that this Man United team, who've played in the Champions League and gone out in the group stage, although they did play last year's Champions League finalists and semi-finalists. Um, who would have thought a team that played those, you know, already gone out of the Champions League, is actually contending for first in the Premier League. No one talks about Man United thinking... I don't think anybody said going into the season Man United mm. were even 
in with a shout of getting close to the top. And, um, at the moment, they seem like the biggest challenge. No, but I do think you've got... Like, Man City don't seem to be at the races. Mm. Um, Chelsea... They don't seem to want it as much. No, Chelsea don't seem to be quite where we would have expected them to be, um, mm. in all honesty. Um, and, yeah... Spurs haven't got the depth to do anything. No. So, and then a lot of the other ones are sort of just false... They're not really going to be up there at the end of the season. You'd assume not. So it'll again. Yeah, Everton, to be honest with you, th- really this this again just some. I'm I'm pretty sure I've said this for the last couple of weeks. It just shows how much of a dogfight this season is. It really is. And I'm loving it's, it. It's oh, it's great for it's great. You know, in terms of um, as I've said before as well, as a Liverpool fan, I would much prefer Liverpool romp off to victory. But mm. in terms of uh, as a football neutral, this is what you want in a league season. It's as simple as that. Yeah. It just makes it more exciting. Um, right, just one normal week of Barclays. That's all. What you say? Sorry, <laughs> I, I love that meme when they go, just just one week of normal Barclays. That's all I want. <laughs> yeah, there we are. Um, right, as the big teams, you just want them to dominate. Yeah, it's just not going to happen this year. Um, right, we'll briefly talk about uh, Spurs. Has the has the bubble boost? Do you think? Wow. Like I said, it's only... To be honest, it's, it's, it's it wasn't a big bubble to burst at the beginning with. No. They were very much the early kindling embers... Of, of a title challenge. Of a title challenge. And to be honest, they're still a very good team. Oh, of course they are. Yeah, yeah. But if you... you well, we don't know how good Leicester are because they haven't played many teams of great quality. But, but they've played Spurs. They're fifth. They're fifth now. You're only as good as your position. Wow. Fifth. And to be honest... They could be seventh if City and Villa win their games in mm. hands. I so. mean, I guess we we have kind of said this already, haven't we? Is in it the you know the table is uh, a little yeah, bit it's, it's a bit deceptive, isn't it? Because you know the difference mm-hmm. between Spurs and Chelsea is like a couple of points, but it's three positions. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's all it's all lining up to be uh, very interesting. I think all lining up to be very interesting. Um, yeah. So we've already spoken about Leicester and we've been in with a title shout and we've decided that we don't think they are. Um, I guess we should do our weekly bit about Arsenal now, shouldn't we? <laughs> yeah, let's bully another team. <laughs> <That'll bond. laughs> let's get the knuckle dusters out for Arsenal. <laughs> to rub some salt in the wounds of certain fans. Like, if you're an Albon fan and an Arsenal fan, you may as well abolish us <laughs> to this podcast. It's just, it's just a boost for an hour and a half. There we are. Um, right, how... How worried should Arsenal be? Is in less, let me just have a quick look at the table. They, they four points. Is it, so Fulham are eighteenth on ten points. Arsenal are fifteenth on fourteen points. So they're four points above the relegation zone. And can I just say, well, Burnley just won tonight, so that's going to go up again. So they're already below Burnley. Wow. Just, okay. They just beat Wolves. So yeah, that's just happened. good result. So. Good result for Burnley. That. Um, but yeah, they 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 are one hundred percent in a relegation battle. Well, this is the thing. It's a third of the way through the season. Th- this is the thing, as in up until now, it's been that kind of banter, ha ha ha, Arsenal are struggling, blah blah blah, and then all of a sudden, I'm kind of they like, uh, Arsenal yeah. are struggling, yeah. Is it? Well, they're, they're Arsenal got are in the trouble. Worst goals scored record. Man, with a bamming, like yeah. Oh man, and it, it you know it, there's been lots of things this week, haven't there? Like somebody, you know, I read, uh, and again, this is just gossip. I'm not saying that this is 100 percent truth, but as in, 
you know, there've been things, you know, um, there's a, there's unrest in the dressing room and um, and it's escaping. That's what's bad. If yeah. there's ever anything internal going wrong, you, that cannot be allowed to escape no. the dressing room. And it seems that absolutely nobody cares for Arteta. They just want him out. I mean, look, I'm I'm not going to pretend like Liverpool are all high and mighty. I remember when when Liverpool were here, and it's it's horrible. It's the worst feeling. But as in, at least well, that's not a genuine relegation. Well, this is the thing. As in, like with with. When it was Liverpool, there was almost that kind of oh yeah, but we had financial troubles, so, you know that we can blame that. Whereas, really, with Arsenal, you look at the, some of the caliber of player they've got, and they shouldn't be down there. I'm not saying they should be like top four or title challenge, but they shouldn't be in a relegation battle, surely. Arteta said, "I signed William to win the Champions League." What a mug! Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So hate to break it to you, mate, but the Champions League isn't coming anytime soon. <laughs> No, oh, he's missed champions and missed the ship off the back. <laughs> the um, but yeah, that's not that um, time soon. And it seems like you know, as in you all. And the thing is, go on. You know, West Brom are going to stay up because they just signed Big Sam. Oh, gosh. So that's another position down. You know, Burnley above So basically, Arsenal are seventeenth. Flipnack, you you love to do these kind of if this then that. <laughs> um, <laughs> But um, yeah, I, like you know, you you probably remember like when Van Hal was in charge, and you'd say certain things at certain points, and you'd think, oh, is he starting to lose a grip on it a little bit? Or like David Moyes, for example. David Moyes would probably say yeah. things, and you'd be like, really, David Moyes? What are you? like? I remember when Roy Roy Hodgson said something, and as the, although he was correct in saying it, you never admit this to fans. And he, he went into an interview and he said, Liverpool aren't too big for a relegation battle. All of a sudden, no, it, it was. That's a realist. That. That's yeah, a realist. it is. But do you tell your fans that though, as in this is at the time. I can't remember what the timings were exactly, but historically one of the most successful clubs in England, one of the most successful in Europe, and you're saying they're not too big for a relegation battle, and mm. even though it was true, there's an element to which it's like, oh come on, Roy, you don't say that to the media. That's that's yeah. asking for for trouble. Do you think Arsenal are just a little bit unlucky that everybody seems to be on one of their good years? You know, like when a team just has a good year. Swansea did it. They finished 7th, I think. I think Newcastle did it and they finished 5th mm. with Denver Bar and all of those lot. And it's like, well, now you've got Liverpool top. You've got Leicester, who are having a decent mm. season for a change. Man United are somehow up there challenging for it. Everton on a good year. Chelsea and Tottenham are right up there. Southampton somehow aren't a relegation candidate, but rather champ- you know, come Champions League. And you've got Villa, West Ham. Wolves Wolves are probably the only one in that lot that you really go there on the downward trajectory since they've had that injury. But then, does that put Arsenal in a relegation battle? I'm not sure it does. Well, well, well I, I guess, really, to be in the relegation battle, you've got to be at the same level of quality as the bottom three teams. Mm. And... <clears throat> I mean, is anybody looking at Arsenal and thinking that's any harder than playing Fulham right now? Well, let's put it this way. As a Liverpool fan, I'm more fearful of Villa than I am of Arsenal. Oh, yeah. Which, well, you I know, when you it. think about it, is mental based on the past sort of five or six years. That, that's it, almost illogical, but as in, that's how it is. Um, but yeah, Arteta came out with a... It was a bit of a weird quote he came out with, wasn't it? We were trying to decipher it before... Um, before recording this anyway, I'll, I'll read the quote. He said, um, last year we won the game against Everton with a 25% chance of winning. You win 3-2. Last weekend, it was a 67% chance of winning. Any Premier League game in history and a 9% chance of losing and you lose. 
3% against Burnley and you lose, 7% against Spurs and you lose. There is something else apart from that. It is not just the performance on the pitch. It is something else that needs to go our way. And at the moment, it doesn't. So, so what, what that is all going off, though, is um, things like expected goals and expected goals mm. conceded and shots in the box, shots in general, shots mm. uh, outside the box. Yeah. All of these different metrics... And it, it, it's just sort of put into an algorithm, very much like the NFL, mm. where it's all situational stuff. Yeah. And it says, basically, Arteta is saying, we had a 25% chance of winning one game, uh, and we managed to win it. Mm. And then in other games where they've had a 67% chance of winning, mm. they've lost them. And he's saying, on some games we've got the luck, some games we haven't got the luck of what's happening. And that really what I think is, he's this is his sort of... Saying without saying, he is just putting it onto the players rather than him. Mm. Because he's sort of saying, well, with all of the different metrics that calculate these things for, like, basically, the the way those things are worked out is the style of play and mm. what is happening in the game. And he's saying, I've set, I've set up yeah. Arsenal in a way that they've had all of these shots and all these expected goals and they shouldn't be conceding. Mm. And yet still they are conceding and they're not scoring goals mm. and he's sort of saying yeah. well, it's not my fault it's the players fault because they can't seem to put that but then, stuff away don't you think i mean correct me if i'm wrong but this just seems like a load of nonsense it's like for me that's the sort of argument like you know like every team has it where they go they go and play a match they pepper the opposition goal they don't score and then they concede on the counter and you lose yeah. and you like statistically if you look at that match there is no way that team x should be losing it's like when self Celtic beat Barca exactly, one exactly. There is no um, based on the statistics. Like 4% possession. Exactly based yeah. based on how the game has gone, the statistics. Blah, blah 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 blah. X team should win. The other team didn't. That's not how it went. Mm-hmm. But when you're like fifteenth or fourteenth or whatever it is, fourteen games through the season on fourteen points, you can't put it down to oh well, it just we just haven't had the rub of the green lads. Surely, even if this you know, isn't surely this there's something fundamentally wrong that is meaning that they aren't performing well. Um, but do you think it's the players that he's got? Like, to be honest, apart from keeping a hold of Aubameyang and signing William on a free, mm. have they really signed anyone? Well, they signed, to, they I mean, signed Pepe Kieran last Tierney. year. Yeah. Well, well it's thing. not an Arteta he signing. Did, how, yeah, exactly. How but, involved is Arteta in these signings? But, is, is this really Arteta's team? But then this is the thing, though, right? If we were talking about Arsenal being, say, ninth. I'd turn around and say, yeah, I think that's a valid point. Arsenal are closer to the relegation zone, I think, probably, oh, than top yeah, four, aren't they? That's not even an understatement. That's not even an understatement. Yeah, they're four points off relegation. Yeah. They're 11 points off... Well, 11 points off the Europa. You know, they're... they're, they're yeah, so they're, they're really close to relegation. So I think if you're talking about kind of, oh, well, they're not challenging for Europe, i turn around and say, oh, well, fair enough. But as in those players, sure, like you look at those players, you've got... David Luiz, um, and look, don't get me wrong, he makes lots of mistakes, but is in he's too would you say he's too good to be relegated? Yeah. I would think so. Well, he to mean for context, he's pretty alongside Thiago Silva. Yeah. Thiago Silva's at Chelsea, he's at Arsenal and one's up, one's down. Yeah. You know, you've got what I mean is is in this isn't a team where you look at it and you go, Oh well they haven't spent enough money and they've got rubbish players here and they've got as in like they've got Aubameyang, they, like they don't play Uzil. Why is Uzil not there? Mm. Like that, that one is they, something must have gone on. That seems to baffle me. Like, uh, you know. well, Ar- um, Arsene Wenger said that um, 
he's a difficult player, Ozil, but he's not unmanageable. No. I, I think you think he's saying there's lots of players like Ozil. Yeah, of course he's he is. just got to be a good enough manager to actually be able to control them to do what you want. You know, and pro- I mean, that's the same with any player. Lots of good players are prima donnas. And you've got to massage that ego so that they work for you rather than against. Maybe, maybe I'm being a little bit too simplistic with this. Are they, you know, I'm saying all oh, Arsenal's players are too good. Are they? I mean, is there an element to which, you know, inflated fees have perhaps deceived us all into thinking, oh, well, they've bought loads of good players when actually they're not that good and they've just paid over the odds, maybe? Is that controversial? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm trying to think of the... Well, to be fair, the amount... I don't know how much it was for Pepe, but... I it was 75 mil, I think. 20. It was around that fee. It was, it was, how much? I'm pretty sure it was like... Let me have a look. I was literally about to say, if you pay more than 20, you're getting ripped off, I'm, because I've never heard of him. If you're buying anybody who no one's heard of, they shouldn't... You know what I mean? It's 79 uh, million sense, euros or 72 million well, pounds. It's, if you're ever signing someone who's firstly not English, because Engl- if you're English, you seem to have Inflated 25 mil reason. added on to your deal. And secondly, if somebody actually knows who you are, that'll add another 25 on. If if you don't know, if you don't know any of those three things, there's no way you can demand a big fee for them. I mean, and it's, it's, in summary, I don't understand it. I don't. I don't no. get it. Is it? Is it? Is it the players not being as good as we think they are? Is it? I mean, personally, the way I see it is this. I think it's probably a bit of both, and that sounds like a re- that's probably sounds like a really stupid statement, but I think it is. As in, you know, when you've got when you've got Aubameyang in your team, surely you should be scoring more goals than Arsenal are right now. Surely, as in, yeah, you you would think, wouldn't well, you? They've scored twelve, which puts them. There's only well, one, Liverpool two, scored seven in scored one place. game on the weekend. Like, yeah, you know. Oh, anyway, that's crazy, mental. But, but it's it's not it's not even as if they're unlucky in the sense of oh we got loads of draws. They've lost eight games. That's what I mean. Is in the it, that's the only teams it's that baffling. match that are in the relegation. It's zone. absolutely baffling. Let me have a look at the table like, properly. Like you can be you can be unlucky if you're a team like Brighton and you've drawn six. Even though they've lost six, mm. they've drawn six. And those six, if you split them and you say three win three losses, all of a sudden you've got. Well, you go from six points all the way up to fifteen, for just well, for, just the for bottom. Games. The bottom so line is this: points. when you look at the form, Arsenal's form right now is the same as Sheffield's, and Sheffield are bottom in the last five games. I should say. Wow, that's crazy. Well, yeah, that's the thing. They are they're in a rut, mm. and it's not even like you know when you see teams like Man United in a rut or something. Mm. You look at the squad and you say. There are good players in that team, at least. <laughs> you've got players like Marcus Rashford. Mm. You know, you've got players like Bruno Fernandes, and you go, they'll work it out. But you look at that Arsenal side, and you go, well, Aubameyang, and who else? Mm. I don't trust Granite Xhaka for the life of me. <laughs> and no, that's fair. Well, I, I mean, I'm trying to think of that. They, basically, Arsenal is still trying to be one of those hype teams that go, oh, we've got Saka. And it's like, no one in any of the other teams in the league is looking at Saka going, oh, yeah. wish he came out of our academy. Yeah, they're almost... Because he didn't do anything. They're almost billing him as like a Phil Foden type character, aren't they? Is in the next... Yeah. Oh, he's going to be the next Phil big Foden thing. Phil Foden at least does stuff for City. Saka just sits on the wing. I can't tell you one thing he's done this season. They're just hype team, they are. They're looking for... Almost trying to pretend that they're a big squad with a big academy or whatever and it's, mm. just, it's just 
It's just not Arsenal. It's not what they are. There we are. All a bit unfortunate for uh, old Arsenal at the moment. There yeah, we are. We, off now. Yeah, we we won't we won't put your <laughs> Arsenal fans through the ringer anymore. If you're an Arsenal fan, let us know what you think, because I I would be interested to see the opinion of uh, any Arsenal fans out there. Because uh, yeah, it's all a bit it's all a bit messy. Um, there we are. Right. Ugh, I really I don't particularly want to discuss this. I know you do though. Um, so oh, Mr. Bilic has been uh, sacked from West Brom. Which I I really like Slaman Bilic. I don't know whether he's an amazing coach. I can't honestly say I've uh, watched him a massive man, but I, as as a character, I, I, I like him. him. Yeah, he 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 coaches with passion. Yes, you see him on the sideline. He's enigmatic. He loves just uh, not be confrontational, but be really enthusiastic mm. about what he's doing, and he he likes to change things up a lot. And, and he's been replaced by. Big Sam, Mister Unrelegationable. <laughs> <laughs> if that is even a phrase, <laughs> Big Sam, the avoider. Will I'm going to call him. Get relegated. The avoider. Oh, it was amazing. I was reading an article uh, earlier today, actually, and I think Big Sam's. I mean, they they picked four of the teams he's joined. Yeah, and they were nineteenth, 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 seventeenth before he joined, and all of them stayed up. By if they weren't seventeenth, some of them made it into the top half. He 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 just plays the basics so well. He says, "Score the first goal, don't concede." Amen. That's it. That's that's his entire philosophy, oh, and it's just force teams to beat you in the hardest way possible. You throw that ball as far away as you can. You kick it into the touchlines. You don't go and help the other team. You you just sit really tight in the box and make sure that. No one can get an easy shot away. And you just park that bus like it is your life. And I love it. Honestly, I think West Brom wanted Big Sam for a while. Yeah. And they, you you don't sign Big Sam to get promoted. Because that's not the sort... He's not the Neil Warnock's world. He's not one of those who's got a great uh, record of getting teams promoted. He's got a great record of not getting relegated. And I think they wanted him. And I think they've gone... Well, it's poor timing from West Brom to sack Billich just after. Yeah, just one all the draw with City. City. Like what? Yeah, I mean, that's about as good as. I mean, if anything, they were looking to looking a little bit better. But Big Sam comes in now, nice and early in the season. He can build that sort of. He, he just keeps teams in the Premier League. He, he he gets that foundation in them, and they can build off of it. So I'm a big fan of it. I, I don't think. I, I think. I, I think West Brom staying up. I cannot stand Big Sam. I just. Do, do you think they stay up? Uh, I mean, I would not be surprised if they did. Um, it's going to be beautiful to see. Yeah, I I have no comments to be honest with you. I just I just <laughs> I the the whole mentality of get a goal and sit back. Just there is a time and place for it, but ugh, I don't know. Not he's he's, he's not my fave, Big Sam. I'll oh, be honest. I, I think I think the Premier League thrives off of having managers like Big Sam in the Premier League because he, he I is, guess he's the antithesis sense, to the, the flow in football isn't he he's, he's the kind of anti anti Guardiola 100%. yeah well that's the thing you go to leagues like Spain and I mean everyone plays possession football mm. it's basically it's like just eating tomato there's nothing else going on there and it can get a little <laughs> bit boring but then you go to the Premier League and you've got the gristle of steak coming from Big Sam and these really hard to beat, 
grind you down to your core teams, which West Brom are going to turn into, hopefully. And then you've also got a little bit of tomato coming from Man City. And you've got a little bit of papaya coming from Liverpool. And they just charge everybody and make sure nobody so, so can work it what, out from what, the back. what dish you make in you? Oh, the Premier League special. <laughs> well, this is the thing. It, it, it's going to be a smoothie. It's going to be a smoothie. Million smoothie. Wow. A smoothie of nothing works. There, there isn't one clear thing. And it's everything fighting for the flavour. Everything fighting to be the thing to stay on top and you know and this is where you get boring teams like Sheffield United they can't survive no they've got to have something about them got to have an identity yes I mean you can't just defend Big Sam at least scores the goal then defends that's his that's his mode modus operandi wow Uh, modus operandi that's going in the title flipping heck um right (laughs) last oh no it's not the last little bit of football I'm telling porkies um so Jurgen Klopp earlier this week won FIFA Coach of the Year in the 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 best awards. Um, yes, and the not Ballon d'Or. Yeah. <laughs> and he also won it on Sports Personality of the Year as well. Slightly different. He but, did. But to well, be fair, I can see I can understand Jurgen Klopp winning it for Sports Personality of the Year because undoubtedly across the UK, best coach last year. That Liverpool team, I mean, up until yeah. about March was undefeated and looking to just romp wipe it every romp. record yeah. on yeah it went a little it tailed off a little bit but how on earth has he won FIFA coach of the year when Hansi Flick the Bayern Munich manager mm. won everything I think he won everything except their vision of the community shield yeah. but he won everything champions the League. most important one <laughs> I'm joking I'm joking <laughs> the domestic joking. treble yes he won everything and it's like is this just FIFA bias um, the Premier League? Well, I... Do you think Klopp should have won the award, firstly? I... I uh, it's a difficult one. And I'll tell you why it's a difficult one. Um, I'm going to try and be as impartial as I possibly can with this. Now... I look forward to it. <laughs> you look forward to my attempt. <laughs> um, yes, please please try and no, seem the slightest... I agree with you. The, so the... the the thing that I would say perhaps goes against Hansi Flick, and this isn't his fault, is in when you look at the German competitions, there isn't much competition there, really, is there? In, when you look at the Bundesliga... Oh, come on, Jack. With the Bundesliga, you've got Bayern, uh, Borussia Dortmund. That's it. Whoa, whoa. No, no, no. I, I think we're looking at it in the short-sighted Champions League-looking lens. You've got Borussia Mönchengladbach. You've got Bayer Leverkusen. Yeah, yeah, but, but bearing in mind... This You've is, got some genuine but, but this is for the, competing at the top. But this is for the last year. So this is including the back end RB, of last season and RB the start Leipzig. of this season. There's, of, there's enough... There's at least... Well, in a sense, when you go to the Premier League, it was Liverpool and then uh, sort of City. But when you went to the German League... Bayern weren't top from a lot of but them. Then, they were in and amongst. But the then I would argue ages. that even City, as they were last season, is a more frightening prospect to play than Borussia Dortmund were. That's what I'm saying. Is and I feel like I oh, know I get you there, but that's only one team. Whilst when you consider, you know what I mean, City is just one team. Whilst Bayern had about five teams to contend with. Oh, I think that's overstating it. Five teams. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. I think yeah. you're probably looking at you're probably looking at Leipzig and Dortmund, and that's probably about it. In terms of teams who are really, really good now, let's be fair. Is in I'm not saying that the well, other teams aren't. Just for reference, Dortmund is fifth in the league at the moment. 
Leverkusen second, Leipzig's third, Wolfsburg are up to fourth. Mönchengladbach, who were leading the league for most of last season, is eighth this season. This is this is how tight it is for the German league. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's good quality. Only four teams have lost one game. Yeah. Anyway, I, I let me put it this way: I think the Premier League as a league is stronger than the Bundesliga. I think it's. I will agree with you. I think that. it's as simple as that, right? So, but do you think that alone qualifies? No, I, I haven't. I haven't finished yet. I haven't finished yet. Okay, so, okay. I think the domestic side for Hansi Flick, you could argue, well, it's not as strong as the English, right? Um, I think the reason that you could argue for Klopp is what Klopp has done or what Klopp did last season. A Liverpool manager hasn't managed to do for thirty years. As in, uh, yeah. But no, but bear, uh, no, no, just, just think about this now. I'm just, I'm just laying out the arguments. I'm not saying that that means he should yeah. win it. But as in, imagine. I, I was sort of just going to counter that by saying, well, if Leicester did it, no, no Leicester manager's done that in thirty. You know what I mean? But as in, when imagine, in house, imagine, ones, really right? Happen. Imagine United didn't win a Premier League trophy for thirty years, and then the manager who won it in thirty years' time got that award, would you turn around and say, oh, well, it's ridiculous that he's got that award, as a United fan now? No, I, I wouldn't say that's ridiculous. Um, but, because, but because said, what I will say is this, what I will say particular. is this, when you look at Hansi Flick, it's not the fact that he's won a domestic treble, it's not the fact that he won a league Champions League double, it's the fact he won everything. Then yeah. I think it's at that point you go, well, what more can he possibly do to win the award? Yeah. I and don't know. The Champions League, you know, that's that's no easy feat. No. And he dominated. No. <laughs> Absolutely dominated everybody yeah. on his way to winning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, as a as a, a Liverpool fan, I'm not going to say either way because I think I, I... I, Let me put it this way. I think Klopp is a worthy winner, but I think there isn't a strong argument that it should have been Hansi Flick. Let me put it that way. I think Hansi Flick should have won it. Yeah, but you're a United Straight fan. Out. You would have said that if no, Klopp had won everything. I, I am not saying... I, I like to think of myself as very unbiased. <laughs> Honestly, I'm an incredibly unbiased what individual. An absolute lord of nonsense. No, no it's, it's not. Because, I mean, you could say the same. Let's say, let's say Everton go on and win the league. Mm. I'm not instantly saying to Carlo Ancelotti you get the best coach of the year award just because Everton have been rubbish for so long that I don't think that's a valid reason to award someone a trophy. No. It's a nice story, but it, but as in, it carries but, absolutely but, but, no but remember weight the, towards the But remember the, the nature of which they did it last year as well, and it was in the middle of a pandemic towards the end. Mm-hmm. So you've got to consider uh, the nature of it as well. Well, the Germans were not in a pandemic. Well, no. Everyone was in the pandemic. No, but what I mean is, is in even after the pandemic, you know, it could have been quite easy. Anyway... Let's let's leave you because I sense that we're not going to agree on this. Basically, what I'm saying is, I think Flick's been robbed. Sorry, Flick's been robbed. No, I I, I wouldn't say he's been robbed. I think he's been. This is daylight. Sorry, <laughs> daylight robbed. Oh, and what you got to remember is, Hansi Flick wasn't in charge of Bayern Munich for the whole season last year, and I know he took them from wherever it was in the league. That's even more impressive. Well, he, he come from the pits. Yeah, but as in, you could also argue you've top. given the manager of the year award to somebody who hasn't been there for the full season. Well, I, I, if anything, I think those are good turnaround stories. If you saying that, you saying then in a sense 
that if somebody comes in at Arsenal and wins the league, they should or should not win the award? No. Because that would I, be I, I am, coming from I am a just, situation. I am just outlining variables. I'm not okay. saying what, you know. Okay. Okay. Klopp, Klopp <laughs> is a worthy winner. Hansi Flick is very, very, very unfortunate to have not won it. I just don't think. I mean, Klopp. He's had a good league, but when you think about it, oh, we go on about and okay. Hansi Flick won, you know, the treble, but they weren't great teams. You think Klopp didn't even compete in the majority of the domestic competitions, so it's even less for him. But he did win the Super Cup and he did win the Club World Cup as well. Who cares? <laughs> I don't care about those. But then, do you, but then, do you care about the German Cup? What, well, there's more good teams in that than the Club World Cup. Yeah, but then we won the Super Cup as well, which is the best team in that's the Europa. That's one game. Yeah, that's one game. Oh, look, you're not going to you're not going to even back down uh, slightly I, I, on this uh, argument. So, no, hundred percent. I think it's flicks. I I think he's been robbed. But yeah. Anyway, let's move on. There we are. Um, <laughs> right. Um, are we going to talk a little bit about transfer rumours and stuff? Well, we can do. I mean, I've heard Salah's unhappy at Liverpool. I hear he's, he, he wants to ditch him for one of the big Spanish teams. Oh, does he? He does. I, I think he, he sees the trajectory that the Spanish teams are on and the trajectory uh, Liverpool are on. And very much like a break-even chart, he's trying to hop ship before one goes down and the other one goes up. I'm not even going to bite to this. I'm not. I'm not biting. I'm not biting. Um, I was hoping for a nibble. Sorry. I was hoping for a nibble. No, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to give you the pleasure. Um, I guess we could discuss Paul Pogba. We all know he's going to leave. So. Um, Do you reckon? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I Mino Raiola said that. I haven't seen Pogba say it. So right. Let me just get this. Let me just get this clear now. So you think yeah. the Salah is going to leave? Based on the words of some random Egyptian player who Salah knows, but Paul well, Pogba, but Paul Pogba isn't going to leave when his own agent says he wants to leave. Uh, Raiola's his own entity. He's got so many players that he just just loves to cause a little bit of chaos to see well, if he can get a few few more bucks. I think it was Roy Keane said. Well, in that case, he needs to be having a word because uh, Minerva... maybe he has. I haven't heard him speak anything since. Mm. Paul Pogba is Man United through and through. Mo Salah is Real Madrid through and through. <laughs> what an absolute load no. of rubbish. Um, we'll, we'll leave those two because I feel like they're just yeah, they gossipy gossip. This one's a bit more of a... Just uh, uh, what's the word? A legit, Hi- a hypothetical. Legit should City yes. sign a striker? I think they should. I also I agree. Aguero, I'm not going to say Aguero's past it, but... Um, Jesus is no substitute for him because he can't seem to score very many. Mm. And Aguero is too injury prone. Mm. I mean, well, City have scored 19 this season. And, well, for reference, Villa have scored 24, West Ham 21, Southampton 25, Mm. Tottenham 25, Everton 25. Everyone else around them has scored at least in the 25s-ish. Liverpool scored 36. They've almost doubled. Wow, City have scored. So, Crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say they probably need a striker. I agree. And I... Who would you sign? Oof. That's a humdinger. Can't sign Edison Cavani. Man United have got him. Is that meant to be some sort of flex? Um... 
It's a little bit of a flex. We we not even starting him. We got Cavani on the it's bench. Because he's That's not very good, mate. Because he's like no. You sure? Hey, he's a Champions League finalist last year. Oh, a Champions League finalist! Wow. Yes. <laughs> B- big. Hey, big stuff. On this. that rate, Steve Finnan's one of the greatest left backs in all time because he's got a Champions League. Wait for it. Winners medal. <laughs> yeah, but nobody else in the Premier League has the Champions a Champions League finalist trophy from last year. Well, no, but as in being finalists doesn't automatically make you a good player. Well, 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 you know, we can only go off your most recent record. All right, then. So, fine. Cavani is the best striker. So, Cavani is the best striker in the team that didn't win the Champions League, which is basically the same as Liverpool. So, moving on. um, (laughs) Yeah, I think City should sign a striker because I don't think Gabriel Jesus is up to much either, to be honest. I think he's uh, yeah, he's he's good, but I think he's a little bit decent, a little bit overhyped. Yeah, it's to be fair though. It, it it's tough because who would they even buy? I don't know. I mean, for me, I think that the striker who's out there who you'd argue is possibly not one of the bigger teams would be Haaland, isn't it? Um, yeah, I dread to but think. I, to I be dread honest, to think how much money. Choice. Yeah, yeah, Haaland's yeah. choice where he goes. You know what I mean? He's, he's clearly exactly. not. Influenced by the money because United paid but offered more than Dortmund. Mm. Um, but yeah, he's clearly the man everybody would want. Yeah, I tell you what, it's good that United didn't sign Jane Sancho. Nine hundred minutes played, no goals at Dortmund this season. Um, I mean, Dortmund aren't doing well as a team, though, are they? Um, yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. They're fifth. They are. Uh, let me check. <clears throat> Dortmund are fifth. Eight points off top. That's quite a margin. Two points off fourth, who was above them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're up and amongst it. I don't know. But yeah. Um, yeah. No goals in uh, managed minutes. I, uh, I agree with you on Holland, though. I think he's got his pick of the bunch, really. Mm-hmm. He could decide where he wants to go. Um, I tell you what, he wouldn't suit uh, Barcelona, I'll tell you that. No. That would be such a bizarre chance. Oh, I hope he did. It, it would be such a waste if he went to Barcelona because they're in the doldrums right now. Um, there we are. Um, I think Liverpool could do a sign of centre off. Um, yeah, you know we're, well, we're still having to play Fabinho there at the moment, which is not ideal. Can't sign Phil Jones because Phil Jones is a Man United player as well, very much like Cavani. <laughs> I mean, more the point. Why on earth would anyone want to sign Phil Jones? Phil Jones. Quite frankly, I'd want league. you to pay us money to buy Phil Jones off you, <laughs> not the other He's way around. Premier League winner. Oh, that's He's such a stupid the same statement. Caliber as Virgil van Dijk. Nathan Dyer is a Premier League winner, mate. It doesn't mean anything. There we are. Um, so yeah, so it'd be nice to see Liverpool sign a centre off and Spurs. Possibly, you you've suggested Spurs to sign another attacker. Do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think so much of their success depends on Kane and Son not getting injured. Yeah, that's which true. is pretty much impossible. Yeah, because they're playing every minute of every game mm. at the moment. There, yes. I agree. There we are. Those are our mini uh, predictions for the transfer window coming up. Yes. See, we'll see what happens. Right, that's it for football. Um, shock of the week. And it's a joint one this week because it is indeed very shocking. Huge. Do, shock. do you want to go? Do you want to say it, Jack? The winless Jets are no longer winless. Oh my goodness! I feel like we could do with the um, like the MLG soundboard now, like the no 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 no. 
big blaring yeah. horns going off. Yeah. They, they beat. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> do, 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 yeah, Jets do, finally do, got their do, win. They beat the Chargers, wasn't it? No, the Rams. The oh, sorry, the Rams, yes. The Rams I knew it was were LA. the second seed. Wow. Oh, it seems like nobody wants to win the NFC. Depends <laughs> on it. Every time someone gets towards the top, they But drop am, off. am I right in saying that that now means that they're no longer... They no longer get first pick in the draft because somebody's got the same at, record at the. I think it's is yeah. it the Jaguars. Yeah, at the moment, <clears throat> both the Jaguars and the Jets are on course to finish one and fifteen on the season. <laughs> well done to both of them. Kudos. That's... Everyone's looking at it, saying this is the most Jets thing the Jets could do in winning a game to put them in a worse position. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is, which is quite true. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, it's to be honest. I, I think it's the Jaguars to lose now, in a sense, because they actually have to win a game to um, not get the first pick. Yeah. Basically, it's the tanking for Trevor Lawrence season. Because Trevor Lawrence is this tanking for Trevor back in the college game who's going to be number one pick. Yeah. Who's going to get number one pick is the only undecided. Thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's an it is an interesting one because I I think it does depend a little bit on lots of records of other teams mm. because. The tiebreaker between the two, you know, I double check the tiebreaker, but I got a feeling it's going to be on the strength of schedule. Um, so the way that's worked out is obviously the Chiefs are thirteen and one now. If I said they were fourteen and zero, they'd be having a hundred percent by their record, but they're not. They're thirteen and one. So they'll have mm. something like ninety three or ninety four percent record. Yeah. Um, so in a sense, they add up all of those. They'll divide by how many they've got, and that'll be their strength of schedule. So whoever has the easier strength of schedule, so the team that should have been in an easier position to win games and still managed to lose all those, mm. they will get the first pick. Um, so, so yeah, it, it really could go down anyway. Um, so it'd be interesting to see which one... Uh, oh, no, that isn't the tiebreaker they've gone for this. Well, it does for most. For this one, it's actually... Based on win percentage in conference games. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, so they've actually still got Jets in the lead. But in, oh, I think it's because they'll both lose. I, I don't know how they're going to work it out. It's it, Honestly, the tiebreak. Who knows? The, the Jets may get another win. Games. It could go everywhere. The floodgates yeah. <laughs> may open, then. They could. They've got the Patriots <laughs> and someone else very good <laughs> to, to see out the season. There we so, are. I, I don't anticipate it. Browns. Um, right. Circling back to the weekend's action then. So, as we said, yes. the LA Rams lost to the Jets. Yeah, this is an interesting one as well because we spoke before about uh, the Seahawks losing. Yeah. Which meant, made they, meant they were the fifth seed. Yeah, yeah. Which meant they were going to play the NFC East division winner. Yeah. Um, because the Rams lost, they are now the fifth seed. Oh, okay. And the Seahawks have jumped back up to the second seed. Wow! Oh, so, so messy. The Rams will play the All NFC messy, East division winner. <laughs> yeah. But what's interesting is because the Rams and the Seahawks have to play another game. Mm. Basically, whichever one wins will stay the second seed, mm. and whichever one loses could end up the sixth or the seventh seed because Tampa Bay have two easy games to round out the season, and if they win them both. There's no way that either Seattle Seahawks or the LA Rams can finish fifth because they'll have played each other, meaning that one of them will drop down, one of them will jump up, and neither of them can finish in that sweet spot 
of fifth place. So Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are playing the league very well. <laughs> could end up fifth playing against the easiest um, division winner for a long, long time. That would be all right, wouldn't it? Basically a bye week. That would be um, pretty good for them. So that'd be interesting mm. to see what happens there. The Bills clinch their first AFC East title in 25 years. Thumping victory as well, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, well, um, it, it, was, it, was, it was nice to see them do it in the fashion they did. But also, this is the only the second time in the last 17 years that it's not the Patriots winning that division. Wow. Didn't you say it was... You, you said a, uh, something the other day as well, that you said, like, the Colts were one of the most recent winners. Is that... Yeah. Despite the, the fact that they're no longer recently. in that division. Yeah, they're, they're an AFC South team now. Wow. Uh, but they still won the AFC East more recently than the Bills, but no longer. No longer. No longer. The, the duck Bills. is broken. Some would say the it Ducks is. bill is broken. Buffalo Bills. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm here all week. Um, right. Um, so you said the Patriots are no longer making the playoffs. First time since 2008. A little bit of history there. Although yeah, not surprising. Uh, it's not surprising, but at the same time... It's it's a shock. Changing of the guards. Yeah, it's it's just. I mean, the Patriots are the playoffs. Yeah, they, they they are a common fixture, even in the AFC title game. Yeah, they're always there or in the Super well, it, Bowl. It, they're always. It would be place. like Barcelona not getting through to the knockout stage of the Champions League, wouldn't it? As in, even yeah. when they're rubbish, they're always there or thereabouts. Yeah, yeah. You can't knock them out, but they can knock them out. It seems. Mm. So the Patriots aren't there, which mm. is funny. Um, the uh, Eagles. Now I I saw about this earlier in the week about um, Wentz. Yes, Carson Wentz, their quarterback. He's uh he's having a little bit of a pansy, isn't he? He is. Well, he was their quarterback. Justified when they won the Super Bowl. Um, he wasn't actually the su- the quarterback when they were in the Super Bowl because he got injured in the run up to it. Okay. Um. So another guy called Nick Foles. Um, was actually the quarterback when they Nick actually Foles, won it. What a guy, um, Nick. But yeah, Mick sounds just as good. I think I don't know which. Oh, I, I, yeah. I said um, Nick. I said Nick. Oh, you did say Nick. Yeah. I thought you said Mick. I thought that sounds like a wrestler. Mickey Moles. <laughs> Mick Foley, isn't it? Mick Foley. <laughs> Mick Foley's the wrestler. Mick Foley <laughs> playing a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, that that'd be quite mm. fun to see. But um, yeah, uh, so. Well, he won the quarterback. Well, they didn't want to. Don't say one quarter. That makes sense. He won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, and they they kind of been rubbish for the two years since or three years since. Yeah. Um, and this season, I think they were, was it three, three wins, eight losses, and a draw, which is unheard of. We don't, they don't really get draws very often, mm. but that was his record before they dropped him. Yeah. And they they drafted a rookie quarterback um, in the draft. Uh, Last year, mm-hmm. so he's just sort of been sat behind Carson Wentz, almost like a little bit of a, a little radiator heater next to him, saying, "Hey, you got to keep your performances up because we yeah, have yeah. someone who could replace you." Mm. Um, and he's come in. He beat the Saints last week, as we mentioned, uh, which were the NFC East's number one seed. This week, he came up against the Seahawks and gave him a run for their money. Mm. Um, and basically, Carson Wentz has come out and said, "You know, what was it in particular?" Uh, he said, oh, what a type did So basically on the lines of, I, I'm not going to be uh, the backup quarterback. He says, if you're not, if you're not going to pick me first, I'm not going to be part of this organization. Trade me. Basically is what he's saying or drop him. I mean, uh, one of the two. 
I mean, the bottom line is this: if you're not playing well, yeah, then you're only do as one. good as your record. <laughs> yeah. If you're three eight and one, then you're not very good that's quarterback. Pretty, that's pretty terrible, isn't it? Of the thirty-seven quarterbacks who have played this season, I think he ranks thirty-fifth for his like. Not really rating. in a position to be complaining, then, is he? Yeah, you, you can't just because you, you were on a Super Bowl winning team does not entitle you to say I'm an amazing quarterback. No. Yeah. He was very good that year, but it just seems very poorful. Because mm. Patrick Mahomes, who is the Chiefs quarterback at the moment and is dominating, he's breaking every record that he can break. Yeah. He he's dominated, but he ha- he sat behind Alex Smith, who's now at the Washington football team mm-hmm. doing pretty well. And Alex Smith didn't get upset when Mahomes got drafted. He said, I'll take it as it is. I'm going to get replaced one day. It's just going to be a bit sooner than he anticipated. I'll move on. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers, he's playing with the Packers this year, playing really good. And they drafted a quarterback Mm. in the first round last year. And he's just playing really well. But he's still coaching the guy up. You know what I mean? He's he's giving him bits and bobs. Yeah, surely it's part of the game, isn't it? Is in like... Yeah. You've got to accept, if you're a rubbish quarterback... Or you're playing rubbish. You've got to accept that maybe you've got to move on. Well, uh, that's part of your job as well. As in, you can't turn around and say because basically what he's saying there is, despite how badly I'm playing, you, I want you to play me or I'm out. And they're kind of they're yeah. like, no, it's not really how it works. If you're not playing well, we're going to replace you. And then when you yeah. play well again, we'll put you back in. You know that that's exactly. that's how it should work. Mm-hmm. Bit of a weird one. Yeah, it's it just it seems in poor taste. It's like you you aren't as good this season as you have been, and you don't <coughs> just get Excuse the me. job on. Yeah, that. yeah. Um, but it it will be interesting because he has got a big contract, mm. but they I think he's an easily tradable player. Mm. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of teams which he could go to and succeed at. Yeah, like uh, the Indianapolis Colts. They've currently got Philip Rivers as their quarterback, who was the LA Chargers quarterback, um, but they just replaced him with a rookie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's he's now at the Indianapolis Colts, and he, he wasn't very good at the beginning of the season, but they are playing pretty good now. Right. But the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, his name's Frank Reich, mm-hmm. and he was the Eagles' offensive coordinator when they went on that Super Bowl run. So Carson Wentz and him have a little bit of history in terms of. They're very good together, mm. so I wouldn't be surprised. And they've got a lot of cap room, um, so they could sign Wentz and take that big contract on without too much hassle. But, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how this plays out. And uh, I mean, I don't know, if I was a general manager of a team, I don't know if I'd be wanting a guy like Carson Wentz coming into my Not team. Not really. If, he's, if, it, if that's how he's going to behave. such a stinking attitude. Yeah. Yeah. There we are. All getting very interested in the run-up to the big one. Um, yeah. Well, interestingly... The Chiefs win against the Saints. Very hard game to win. Mm-hmm. You know, very hard game to win. Very impressive they won it. But that means they won all of their um, games on the road this year. And wow. it means if they win every game remaining this season, which is every game should be at home, yeah. um, their next away game will be in the Raymond James Stadium for Super Bowl 55. So Let's go! <laughs> Yes. Come on, Chiefs, you can do it. Back to back. Back to back Super Bowls, that's what we like. Um, right. Run it back. We shall wrap up with the stat of the week. Do you want to go first again? Yeah, because I can't just put on a Chiefs splurge this week. I'm in such a good mood. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> they, I'll, they, I'll allow Chiefs, it. 
the Chiefs um, scored more than 21 points this weekend, which was a 28th consecutive game they've done that. Wow. Um, which ties the record for games with 21 or more points scored. Uh, and that ties their own record from 2017 to 2019. Of course it does. Who, who um, else? <laughs> which means over their last 57 games, <clears throat> only once have they been held under 21 points. So if they if they hadn't been held under 21 points that one game, they'd be something like 30 games, 30 consecutive games better than any other team has ever done it wow. in history. That's so crazy. It's, uh, so they are dominating very much. Um, fair enough. That's a pretty good stat. My stat of the week, It technically it's not from sport this week, but it came out this week, so I'm, I'm counting it. Um and that is that statistically, it currently takes an average of twenty-eight shots to score against Jan or Black. I don't wow. know how that works. I read it. I'm not sure I believe it, but I'm going with it because it's no, that makes sense. Pretty impressive. In a sense, he gets because to be fair, he's got almost as many clean sheets as he has goals conceded. Yeah, I guess. So, in a sense, it, it makes I sense. Mean, I I don't know how many shots they face each game. No, but let's say he faces six. That means he's going on about a five, almost a five-game clean sheet streak before he concedes mm. a goal. That's crazy. It's pretty impressive. There we are. On that note, that is the end of this episode of the Down to the Wire podcast. Thank you all for listening. Um, we are on Spotify. We are on Google Podcasts. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Breaker. Have I missed anything, Jack? Pocket Casts. Oh, every week. One week, I'll get them all. Pocket Casts. To be honest, I... I don't think I've ever seen a number come in saying someone watched it someone, on Pocket Casts. Someone could be the first <laughs> so, person to listen on Pocket Casts. Um, that could be the case. We are also on YouTube. Um, yes, we are. We will be back next week for the final episode of the Down to the Wire podcast for 2020. Um, but until then, have a happy Christmas. And we shall see you all again soon. Isn't that right, Jack? That is true. Okay. On Mondays. On on. Mondays. Well, well, Tuesdays it comes out. Mondays we record. There we are. That's that's how we roll. <laughs> all right. See you all soon.